0: Pushkin.
1: The most innovative companies are going further with T-Mobile for Business. The PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with AI coaching tools and 5G connected cameras. AAA is getting more drivers back on the road fast with location telematics. And the Las Vegas Grand Prix is powering race day operations with 5G connectivity
2: a room upgrade? Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. Reminder, credit
1: is subject to lender approval and terms apply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. What if AI could help your business deliver mission-critical outcomes with speed? With IBM Consulting, your business can design, build, and scale trusted AI using Watson X, and modernize the way you work to accelerate real impact. Let's create AI that transforms your business. Learn more at IBM.com/consulting. IBM, let's create.
0: Hey everyone, welcome to the show. This is Talk Easy. I'm Sam Fragoso and thank you for being here. Last week we aired the first installment of our four-part Stones Throw Spotlight, a mini-series exploring the past, present, and future of this daring independent record label. If you haven't listened to our P.B. Wolf episode, it's definitely worth checking out on our website, www.talkeasypod.com. For part two, I sat down with J-Rock, the legendary MC and beatmaker out of Los Angeles. Since the mid-80s, J-Rock has been at the cutting edge of DJing, a master of spinning records and manipulating sound. Or, if you want the technical term, he's one of the pioneers behind turntablism. This ear for music, which grew up at the center of 90s hip-hop, has translated into making his own records. His debut album, titled Some Cold Rock Stuff, was released by Stone's Throw in 2011. Then, a subsequent mix called Beats on Tape, or Tap, in 2014. Here's a clip from a song called The Fixer. has had an especially unique vantage point throughout his career, both as a creator and an observer. As you'll hear about, he's hosted various radio shows where he was one of the few disc jockeys on the West Coast playing early hip-hop, when people didn't believe it was an art form. When artists wanted their records to be heard, they came to him. We also dive into the experience of witnessing a new record label in Stone's Throw be born, like listening to early tapes of Mad Lib, crate digging with P.B. Wolf, sitting in the room while Jay Dilla cut a record, and many more envious experiences. But first, we get into growing up in Huntington Beach and starting his DJ career before he even stepped foot into high school. So, finally, here is J-Rock. Can we start uh, in Huntington Beach? Uh Yeah, HB, definitely, yeah. HB. I know nothing about Huntington Beach because I'm not from here at all. So. Um, just
2: surf town where they, I don't know if they still have it, but they have like this thing called the OP Pro, but it's like a surf, it's right by the beach, so it's like kind of like a Venice Beach type of thing, type of vibe. So yeah, it's right, it's right close to Long Beach and Newport Beach. And this is where you grew up? Uh, for the most part, yeah, high school mm. and like I mean, I didn't. I went to school there and stuff, but I did a lot of like um, inner city traveling, like from one city, mostly Orange County cities, and maybe a little trinkle to L.A. Why were you doing all that? Uh that's just DJing, just from DJing. Ah. Yeah, yeah, just from DJing. So
0: you were starting in high school to DJ?
2: Mm, yeah, probably a little right before high school so like 14 probably yeah yeah for sure
0: really were you the youngest one doing it Mm,
2: no I think it's just it was like I had other young friends at the time I don't remember how they were but yeah I don't know how old everyone else was but yeah about when I was probably yeah way before high school
0: is there like a clear backstory as to how you get into this Mm, no just like music and
2: just liked music and was uh, infatuated with uh, DJing but at that time I was really DJing as in a radio personality more or less Mm. like hey this is like more or less (laughs) like that because there wasn't really scratching and all that when I was a little kid so it was really like shot yeah rocket and you know like maybe Rapper's Delight was out of course but like run dmc and like all that type of stuff there was a little scratching in there so i heard um probably buffalo gals like super old stuff like that and then um that kind of got me into it hearing that and Mm -hmm. trying to figure out what the scratching was but or i was already into like i already wanted to be a dj quote unquote but i was mainly listening to just the radio station djs and they would have mixes from time to time, so it was a little combination of both. Hmm.
0: I mean, it wasn't that common of a job back then, right? I mean, because now we're living in an age where everyone wants to be a DJ. Like. No,
2: I wasn't. Um, back then, the DJing that I was listening to was um, regulated to the times of like um, 5 p.m. to about 5.20, and then... There was weekend shows from... So there was a 20-minute increment during the week. Yeah, five days a week. There was a station called K-Day, and they would have DJs on there. And then um, there's another radio station. There was two radio stations, and they both had their own... They called it a Saturday night mix show or Saturday night... I forgot what it was. Saturday night something. Mm. And they just had... Both stations, they just had DJs, DJing, whatever new was out. So it was really like dance music. Right. wasn't really, it was like dance and electronic hip hop, like Egyptian lover style and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Electro, more or less.
0: In that time, when you're a kid and then listening to music, did you, do you remember hearing an album or, or an artist and being like, oh my God, I like, it's sort of having that light bulb moment. All
2: of it at that time. All of it
0: was great. Yeah, because it was so uh, rare.
2: It was. It wasn't. wasn't what it was. It what it wasn't. What it is now. It wasn't any. Those twenty minutes of the weekday, or those two hours during the weekend. That was the only time you're really going to hear anything rap or hip hop related. Mm. The rest of the week would be just adult contemporary R and B or whatever pop hits were out back in, them. I don't know, Daryl Holland, John Oates, whoever had hits back then, but that's all you would hear. All Oates were pretty popular. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, Yeah, that's why they came to mind. So, you would hear that stuff, but then during, you know, like I said, during the weekend, that was the only time, so... Any time anything came out you would be like, Oh wow, oh wow, oh wow, there's a new oh wow oh wow. I mean, even fat boys, you would be like, Oh wow, fat boys <laughs> and like now you're like, eh, fat boys. But back then you're like, Oh shit, fat boys. <laughs> you know, everything was like exciting. Sounds like a better time. It was great and yeah, it was a great time. It was just so new, so there was just you just had to take chances. I mean, everything was, wasn't always good mm-hmm. but you still would buy it and make yourself like something from it. Like, mm, it's not like this album, but right, I'll give it a chance. Still, mm. it wasn't. It was. It, everything had a cycle, a life, a life cycle. So it wasn't like throw it away throw the away. next day or. It's the a lot next harder week. these days for that to happen. Yeah, it's a lot harder to keep something rotating in your collection nowadays. Yeah, life cycles are shortened. It's very. It's. It's.
0: You get. Uh, two weeks at the most well or if you're someone like me I'm, i get obsessive about a song mm-hmm. like when i heard don't cry for the first time okay Of i do it and i it was on repeat for like a month and it'd be like the only thing I, and my roommates were like jesus fucking christ can you please nah. stop playing <laughs> the same song that's a good uh zone to get into well it's good for like to focus yeah so when you're when you're digging up beats and or rather uh music in the 80s were you like crate digging at that point no no i was just buying whatever hip-hop was out
2: to Mm. live crew and stuff like that just and then michael jackson's new album or whatever but Mm. um no there was i didn't know anything about uh that whole world until probably like uh Eighty nine, ninety. so like the DJing
0: goes well when high school i'm assuming
2: right DJing
0: is just house parties mm-hmm.
2: and um every once in a while there's different locations uh people would rent out and throw parties like halls like um i don't know what they would be called uh
0: dance halls or something yeah dan- union
2: halls or something they right, would right. just rent out like a hall somewhere and yeah. throw a party places there. for people to get down yeah so yeah. Um, back then there was a lot of parties like that I would do more or less. That was really the, that was the circuit then it was just house. It wasn't like there was no clubs. At least I was too young to go to a club. So, so yeah, it was just house parties and that's it.
0: Do you remember being happy doing that?
2: Oh yeah, it was great. I mean, it was always fun.
0: I can just imagine you as like a 17 year old kid at like these house parties.
2: Yeah. I mean, um, I had a crew of people then, so, We would all dj together and yeah i mean it was i mean i can't even lie it was great like it was it was still new so and not and not everyone listened to hip-hop and so the one thing about back then i will say is you could play newer music like nowadays you can't really play newer stuff in a club Mm -hmm. so that was i think that was that for me is a, a fonder memory of being able to like go to somewhere and like I could go to a record store the day before and buy a bunch of new records and then I can go to a club and play all those new records that next day and there wouldn't be there wouldn't be anybody in the crowd saying, Play me whatever hit was popular at that day You know, so like nowadays you have to like if you're the DJ in a club setting, you're mostly playing all hits. And you it takes, like, it's real hard to break a new song in a club when a club used to be hmm. the place to break new, right. strictly new music.
0: That's, like, an, an idea that's kind of unfathomable now. I can't imagine that being, like, clubs are just not that anymore. Well, I just think of, like, scenario, like, the
2: black sheep or um were you playing that yeah for sure but i'm saying like yeah definitely when those were coming out those were brand new and we were playing those like right then and there as soon as you got them you're like ooh, scenario mm-hmm. you would play it Ooh, remix and you would play it Here we go. All, it's first up to back, no batteries included, and no strings attached, no hoes barred, no time for move faking, Got to get the loot so I can bring home the bacon. Brothers front, they say the drop can't flow, but we've been known to do the impossible like Broadway Joe, so sleep if you want, like cool, we'll help you get your Z's true. But here's the real scoop. I'm all that and then some draw doctor handsome, bust some bus nut inside your eye. To show you where I come from, I'm vexed, human, I've had it up to here. My days of pain, dues are over. Acknowledge me is in there, yeah. Head for the border, go get a taco. I see it from the jump street, meaning from the get-go. Sit back, relax and let
0: yourself go. Don't no sweat what you heard, but act like you know. Yes, yes, y'all. Yes, y'all. Who got the vibe it's the tribe yo. tribe, yo. So you play it and the people in the crowd, they wouldn't know
2: the song. Nah, for sure not. If you not until at least a month later, or you know. Like three and there was no YouTube, there was no There's no Spotify. There was no Spotify, no anymore. iTunes, no you no probably shit. There's no there's not even a live wire. Yeah, yeah. yeah you're not doing anything <laughs> yet. So the only way you're gonna hear it is either the club or you know somebody that is a DJ also and they made you a mixtape or you bought a mixtape from the local swap meet or somewhere. Mm-hmm. And so that, that's, that's probably my fondest memory back of those days. Well just you playing like I can't even imagine brand new, even old Dirty Bastard like stuff like the Wu Tang Clan, like all that type of stuff that those didn't come out as classics. Those came out as new records, and it took DJs and different people to play. Those didn't get like airplay as soon right, as they right. came out. You know, it wasn't like like now like a hot artist comes out.
0: If I was like in a bar or in a club and I mm-hmm. heard Scenario. For mm-hmm. the first time, yep is it scenario or scenario is scenario it, is it like scenario. is it like tomato can, tomato it, or tomato? uh
2: the British folks pr- pronounce it the other way u s folks pronounce it scenario I said it the British way, yeah, you're saying British. okay scenario. yeah you're finer english that's this <laughs> that's his proper English I don't think that's true, but um, <laughs> yeah, you would just that would be the only place you would hear it the first time you would hear it and the only place you would hear it were
0: all the people who were. DJing and at this point were you making beats or was it a little bit but I wasn't like putting anything I definitely was at the house you're just like
2: trying to make beats by then by like time the scenarios and all that that's like 91 yep exactly 91 92 I knew at least a little bit about digging and James Brown breaks and funk breaks and I knew a little something so I started kind of like uh buying stuff back then who showed you that wow I don't know really um there used to be this breakbeat series called ultimate breaks and beats and they had a lot of um sample goodies on their stuff you can just a lot of like classic hip-hop songs are made from these compilations and they would have like eight songs on each mm. and they would um they were all just like different genres, rock, soul, it was everything, but they didn't tell you the artist, they just said the name song, name of the song, and then they had like the writing credit, so you would have to like, hmm, who's these writers, and you have to try to put two and two together, but mm-hmm. I think that was like the first place I would hear like a funky drummer, James Brown or something like that, that was like, that was like probably one of the first places where you would have it in your own hand and be able to like scratch it and do all that stuff but other than that i think just by um i don't know who would show me how to like show me anything about breaks. somebody had to i didn't know it like offhand but Mm -hmm. just probably accumulation of a bunch of different people Mm -hmm. watching videos and actually hearing like just yeah, just hearing different. Oh, that's the so and so breakbeat, and you're like, oh, okay. And then you go to a a used record store, and um, and cop a couple of those if you were lucky enough to find. But even back then, James Brown records were like eighty bucks, sixty bucks, because it was like they knew what was on it. They knew people were buying them to make beats out of them, and like uh, it, there's. Back in those days, people would like, there's the record sellers would go out. They kind of do it now, but now you have like an Amoeba and like you have different secondhand stores. But um, a lot of the times back then, since there was, it wasn't, I don't know how to really explain it, but they would always mark up the James Brown. They would always mark up like the stuff people would sample mm. would always get marked up to be like 60, 50, maybe 100 depending on what it was. So would that force people then to Cuz there was no internet also right, to no, price you gauge. You couldn't be like, "Oh, it's really only worth $5." Yeah. No, nah, there was no. It didn't exist. Did yeah. that
0: force people to
2: dig deeper?
0: It forced people to buy the records that weren't that price. Yes. Okay. Cuz I always wonder in the early 90s and this is what I'm so fascinated by, is like you were in the thick of it. When you hear Tribe or Nas yeah. or or all these people and all of a sudden they're sampling like Minnie Ripperton or, mm. or Ahmad Jamal or Deanna Warwick, you know Yeah. Those probably weren't like I bet those weren't marked up at the time, right? No. Those were all cheapies. Those were like the deep cuts that you Those were the
2: ones you just go in and Minnie Rippleton, uh four dollars. Cool, I'll check her out or, you know. You mm. would do that. You would just those were cheapies. Definitely those are like two ninety nine three ninety nine those are cheap records, but also though um a lot of those records people would already have in their collection from their cousins, moms, Parents. sisters, yeah, yeah. yeah, so like myself, I would get a lot of the like the Rick James Prince and like different r and other r and b groups from like my cousins, they would have all those records and then that's where I would hear all that because I was a, I was only a hip-hop kid. I was listening to Run DMC, whatever was out at that Mantronics, like early 84, 85. I was just no, nothing but hip-hop. Mm-hmm. So that's how I got to hear the R&B stuff. And, like, my parents would have, like, the Amal Jamal and Quincy Jones records and all that. I'm like, oh, oh, that's where they got. Yeah. Oh, okay. All that, right, I'm gonna go check out the record
0: store and buy the rest of their records, mm, or you know, stuff like that. That's the joy of hip hop, I think, is is the sort of the history lodged inside of it. And now, I mean, you yeah, had yeah, that site who sampled, yeah, yeah, um, which is like a cheat sheet, basically, yeah, for the world. It is um, Cliff ha- Notes. Do you hate that?
2: No, I actually enjoy it, man, because it just um, it sucks for producers. Like, it definitely hurts the beat making game of people making beats and having to like clear samples, it destroys that whole thing. But, um, I still find it fun to, um, hear samples or to find out what they sampled or, you know, like I still, and now there's no credits. You mean you're just downloading a record. So there's nothing for me to like turn the page and like, uh sample clearance i don't get to see that anymore unless i go read a line yeah tag. unless yeah. it comes out as a physical product at some point but when it first drops it's just a digital that's all i'm getting mm. so um i kind of like that because i like who sampled for just because of for that i can be like oh tribe called quest new album let me see if anyone figured out anything yet and I can go on there and be like, oh, nope, they haven't, oh, they figured out when I can see what, what tribe sampled on the new one. I'm like,
0: oh, shit, okay. Yeah. So the People I, people have figured their albums out. Yeah, they, so. They have deconstructed them to the bones. Not the new one, though, not all of it. There's no, not all of it. Yeah. But, yeah. that got the a, Elton John thing. Yeah, yeah, thing. yeah,
2: but see, I think, and the Black Sabbath thing they got, yeah. too, but there's a few on there I'm still curious about, and I'm like, the
0: world the internet uh, never fails to disappoint no nah,
2: I'm waiting it's still there's still time They haven't finished all of them I found there's one um, that samples Gentle Giant that I was like oh that's pretty dope that's a good sample hmm. but yeah I like that site just for that it's a right. it's fun but I feel bad for you know the, my producer friends that are on it and they get called out and then they get a call from the per. Oh, hey, you sampled me and like oh, and then it sucks for them you know Hmm. That's
0: definitely not good. I don't know how you get around that. I mean, you don't. Yeah. Have you had people call you on your records? Um, try to. It's like Roy Harris calling you? No, nah,
2: I've had like one guy call me and like want me to be like in a documentary about that guy instead of being like I don't that I didn't make any money or anything from the records, so it wouldn't be like mm. but um I've never really been called out like that. None of my stuff is like on that radar. Like where somebody's gonna be like, J. Rock sampled. Nah, no, they're not tripping yet. Badu. <laughs> yeah, maybe one day, but they're not. Yeah, like Badu. She probably she might have heard me scratching her or something like I'm that. I'm sure she heard it on, but uh, yeah. I'm sure she's not like. Mm, that's family. I'm not. He's not making a whole record out of me or nothing like that. And I didn't write. Featuring Erica Badu, you know, like yeah, I yeah. know there's some people that actually you do, they actually they have to do that so they don't clear it, you know, they have to pay the person even more. But like, hey, I scratched you, can I put featuring you on it? Like, um, uh, Kanye West and um, Jay Z, they did that one song called Otis, yeah, and it says featuring Otis Redding. You're like, Otis Redding's been dead for years
0: they're bringing them back to life but
2: they sampled them so they're gonna be like featuring otis redding So in
0: ninety six Stone's Throw was started. Yes. I was thinking about Stone's Throw uh in relation to what was happening in hip hop at that time. And there was Beats, Rhymes and Life. Mm-hmm. Uh there was It Was Written. Wu Tang. Yeah. And there was All Eyes on Me. And um Fuji's. I think Fuji's might have been out. Did they have time? something that year, too? I oh, did, they, did their album? Uh, I think the
2: first album would have been out by then, at least.
0: Yeah, 96? Yeah. I think that probably makes sense. Uh, and then Stone's Throw, different. It goes a different, sort of a different path. Were you aware of Stone's Throw in 96, or what was your introduction to all that?
2: Um, I knew of Stone's Throw probably 90, as soon as it started. Um, I met Wolf through DJ Babu and, um, we did like a thing on this comp called deep concentration. We did like a scratch, like Wolf made a beat and then me and Babu like did answers, scratch back and forth type of thing. And, um, and he had a record called peanut butter breaks that came out like right before Stone throw also and that was real super popular like a lot of people were like using it for like freestyle beats um so i knew the name peanut butter wolf and then um were
0: you doing any freestyling
2: no 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 i mean i used to try to do like a little <laughs> rap group but i definitely wasn't throwing on peanut butter beats and rapping no uh, at that point i was
0: strictly djing so um but the rap part or rather the the love for rap did, did, did you sometimes contemplate like i, I think you am gonna do it
2: for sure yeah i think if you're a hip hop if you're into hip hop you try at least in and when i first when when i got into it you tried everything you tried the break dancing you tried graffiti you tried rapping and you tried <laughs> dj you did it all like you it was hip hop so you were like you had you knew somebody that did graffiti so they would like, oh, man, I'll help you out. And they would show you. And you knew someone that DJ so they would, like, like you know someone that does all four elements, so you wanted to try. Those are the four elements? Yeah, so you would want to try off one of those four. I want to try breakdancing. All right. Everyone breakdances drunk, by yourself at the house. Mm-hmm. So you I'm sure you've done it before. <clears throat> I'm sure you've rapped in the shower or with the homies in the car playing the beat. All of it
0: so the graffiti
2: uh, thing i haven't done you dribble on the paper i'm
0: sure like you you
2: know it's true. so that's a little, Graffiti's a
0: little after my time it, it seems like it's it it's gone less of it now for sure for sure it's not as 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 it was
2: back then it wasn't but, like remember like the warriors yeah yeah for sure <laughs> but that's gang graffiti that's a little that's a little, well that's, that's like you got that still nowadays around here especially. oh sure
0: sure sure that was my introduction because my dad that was his favorite oh because he as a kid he was okay. like an in inner city chicago okay and he was like that was his start to like all of graffiti hip-hop like that yeah that's
2: i mean it was going on then back then though it was um that was the breakbeat era where they were just playing the breaks mm-hmm. Where those and that actually that's funny you say that because that's what the ultimate breaks and beats is is like the new york songs they were playing with those breaks. So all the records thought the DJs were playing during like that Warriors era
0: uh-huh.
2: ended up on this compilation. Oh really? Yeah, so the ultimate breaks and beats is just all the breaks and the rock songs that have heavy drums and the stuff they were listening to. Basically back then, like the like um James like back to James Brown, funky drummer. That's seventy, so boom i'm sure people were funky drummer driving up their little cadillacs and all that (laughs) and i'm sure you know and um even uh what's a rock song on there there's a couple like real the monkeys there's like all kind of like there's weird just weird Mm -hmm. weird stuff on there and there's like real good stuff on the comps and but they all have one thing in common and they're just like heavy on a funky beat or a funky like guitar riff or something like that something
0: that's loopable
2: Mm-hmm. definitely something that's loopable or something that the dj can go back and forth with and do doubles with and keep a party going mm. and that's funny yeah that's what the all the warriors that's what the music they would have been in
0: yeah. so you were aware of them early on 96, yeah so yeah
2: i knew stone still then and i at that time i was doing um radio I was just starting to. Oh, do were it. you doing? So we're not. Were you the guy? No, I wasn't the DJ- guy not. yet. I was still a guy. But like the guy
0: you heard as a kid. Remember you? Yeah, exactly. The, yeah. yeah,
2: yeah. I was. The, I was becoming the guy I heard as a kid. Exactly. Uh-huh. So uh, Wolf would send me um, the record. Like he would send me my world premiere. He sent me the Charisma when it first came out. Mm-hmm. Then he would. Uh, so yeah, I, I I was definitely there when he first kicked it off like i was one of the djs that he definitely sent a record to when he had the first record i definitely got in the mail
0: did you immediately find that chris had some not 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 just talent but like something different or unique no
2: i just was thinking another hip-hop head like oh cool this dude makes beats Mm -hmm. and i didn't really look at him like quirky white dude or like oh who's this white guy making i didn't even think of because i grew grew up on Huntington beach so i'm hanging out with surfers and Mm. and i have already knew a bunch of kids that were like just like wolf that i hung out with at that time so white hip-hop heads straight like you wouldn't even question their hip-hop knowledge like they were just like so down for it period like just my they were just my homies so I already knew people like wolf in the first place like i already hung out with actually there was a dude named chris case and he he was like one of my dudes that we kicked it hard shit he could be well they're both as chris so yeah he was just like wolf and um so i was already i was just like i was already i wasn't tripping on anything i was just like yo this guy makes dope beats
0: mm-hmm. And uh, you weren't tripping, but it sounds like there was like a racial divide back then. No, not kind of, but not really. Like
2: maybe not in California. In the eighties, it probably was mostly black and Latin. Back then, like I would say, from like probably eighty-two until maybe the start of like maybe 86. Nah, 88 maybe and then like around the time is raising hell run dmc came out that's when rap started really like becoming like started its trend on what it is today that was like walk this way came out run dmc and aerosmith so that was like everyone was listening to that and um hip-hop would like appear on tv like out the blue like you might catch somebody on some show with Steve Martin, like, break dancing or, like, doing something. You're like, oh, man. And you would go to school the next day like, yo, did you see on the Steve Martin show? They'd break, and you're like, oh, to what song? You would trip out on little shit like that. Right, right. So there wasn't really—not everybody was really into it. Then. It was
0: starting to seep into the mainstream. It was starting
2: yeah. to seep into the mainstream, so— to have a, a a white kid that knew all of that, yo man, I saw Steve Martin when you to know all that and to know what's going on then and still to be, you'd be like, oh, this and you, there wasn't that many people that were even into it then. Mm-hmm. It was still like, for like, rap had no section. You had to buy to buy a rap release. It was at the end of R and B. You'd have to go yeah. like after Luther Vandross that's when like the rap section would start and it would just be like <laughs> five tapes. It'd be like Run DMC, Fat Boys, and like Grandmaster Flash or something like that. And it wouldn't, and Run, it'd be like something else. And then as albums kept coming, it would expand, but it would always be at the end of R&B. So it was never its own section. It wasn't its own section until probably like, shoot, 88, 80s. Seven, Mm -hmm. like when, like yeah, probably like that's when it finally was becoming. There was a rap section, but before that, you were just strictly. You were a small interest group. Yeah, we were a small interest group. So yeah, it wasn't a racial divide. It was just a trip because there's Depeche Mode, there's The Cure, there's like all these other groups, and like that's what that's what those kids were into. We were into planet rock and spinning on our backs and we had like the mexicans cats they were into like the old they were into like zap and like um like funk type of stuff like a dame funk setting Mm. like so it was still it it was pockets no one not everything was together like now everyone you will listen to everything i listen to everything Mm. then you listen to one thing and one thing only you listen to duran duran (laughs) <laughs> and the cure and somebody else and i listen to rick james tina marie and prince and michael jackson and ma- michael jackson might enter your world because he's michael jackson mm-hmm. but other than that nah you're not going to listen to jackson five album i'm listening
0: and then, i'm listening to the jackson five yeah.
2: album and then the kid over there he's listening to
0: it's like different sport teams yeah it's like someone definitely. someone who loves baseball is like yes i know michael jordan but yeah. i don't that's that's my extent. That's somebody, else. yeah, exactly. <laughs> so
2: that's it. Was kind of like divided, like then back back in those days. It was definitely a little divided. Now it's more of a melting pot. It's a melting but, pot. But
0: back then, definitely straight divide. Mm-hmm. At what point do you meet someone, maybe if they were part of Stone's Throw or not, that you like sort of in that ninety six, ninety seven, ninety eight mm-hmm. era, that you were like, oh, we're uh there's some synchronicity or some like-mindedness um i mean you had friends certainly but like someone who was djing or someone who was making beats probably just like babu
2: the guy that introduced me to wolf back then because he actually babu actually the one that introduced me to madlib too you know because he used to live out in that in Oxnard where all those cats uh, oh no and Madlib and all those cats live so Babu was kind of like he was the homie that just so happened to know all these dudes Mm -hmm. like he knew Wolf I don't know how he knew Wolf and he knew Madlib just because of that area right and he would have like Madlib tapes like old like like late nineties. Yeah, really? yeah, like Mad Lib, like, like just before Mad Lib. Way before Mad Lib. <laughs> and it was just like Mad Lib, Dudley Perkins. It was like a whole the whole crew of Can Kick.
0: Were you listening to that?
2: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They were like they were like the tapes that we would like we would uh bug out on. We like not bug out on, but we were like it would just be the tape to listen to, like yo, the uh, Madlib gave me a new tape today. Let's listen to it. All right, word up, and we just pop. How it. old are you, and how old is he at that time? Late nineties. Shit, probably just like early twenties, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, probably like twenty-two, maybe twenty-one, maybe. Yeah. But um. And he's making stuff. Oh yeah, he's already he's already yeah he's already making like full fledged albums mm. like on cassette,
0: definitely. And you were immediately. I mean, it's just. To that, it's like, if I, you know, the idea that you were there before, like, the curtain was raised in a way. Yeah, definitely. It's like if you saw, like, Picasso's before, like, like, maybe that's hyperbole, but it's also, it's strange. No, you're right. Strange from an outsider. But I'm kind of like, um,
2: yeah, I never really thought of it like that. It's just because we've always... I've always been so um into it, and like the people around me have always been into it, so like to see he's also your contemporary, yeah, yeah, so like they're all homies of mine, and just people that I just know, so they're like to see their rise and to see them doing stuff just makes me want to go and do more stuff, mm-hmm. and like try to rise myself with them i don't know i never really thought of it like yeah i saw i knew this guy before he blew up or i yeah I,
0: that's not what i mean i
2: know, no i know but i'm like i never like oh man i remember the tapes before i don't really like to like look back that like as far as like musical and like man i remember that time when i used to like i just like the so yeah yeah i don't know man that's i never really thought of like the mad lib tapes before mad lib or you know they were they sound just the same as mad lib sounds now you know uh-huh. they're all weird and quasimodo show up somewhere and yeah i mean yeah babu's probably the one dude that was that guy that definitely was like check this out and throwing stuff i don't know how he he was so ahead of the curve at that time but it was just oxnard i think
0: mm-hmm. Oxnard, I don't know that place.
2: That's where Madlib and all of them are from. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Oxnard. It's about an hour
0: away from here. Hour and some change. Mm-hmm. I mean, where you grew up, I wonder how that informs like your music, or rather your musical taste.
2: That was I. It was all Cure, Depeche Mode, and then hip hop. So I was hearing all that stuff. I heard everything. Mm-hmm. Everything was. Coming in the Duran Duran, all that shit. Everything I named, I heard. I I was hearing when it came out, like, her name is or I heard Rio when it was brand. Like, ooh, Rio. Who's this new band? Oh man, I love it. And like I was there for all that. So, um just to hear that stuff, like it was that was my influence was all of that. Like, I can't say I was like in South Central with the J. Curl listening to gangster right or just anything i wasn't i wasn't nowhere close to any of that i was it's not you i was in oc with surfers i would make the trek down to the gangsters in santa Ana and do the house parties down there and like i would um then go back to huntington beach with the surfers and go to school and (laughs) go on the weekends go back down hang out and the gangster hoods and go DJ in there and then you kind of had both yeah I would go both sides of the fence Hmm. definitely it was just DJing though so I wasn't really there like I didn't drink I wasn't smoking weed I was a little kid so I was there
0: you're on good behavior
2: yeah I was on good behavior just wanting to DJ I just wanted to get on them turntables and play whatever records I just bought
0: were you feeling like things were moving forward for you, like late 90s, early 2000s?
2: Yeah, definitely. Um, I was on the radio by then, so um, helping out, like, especially with the Stone Stone stuff. Um, by that time, they were putting out Mad Lib was already out, and Loot Pack was coming out. Mm-hmm. And Wolf had actually, by then, I became kind of. Um, closer to wolf became home like he was the homie like he was somebody If babu wasn't around now i would hang out with wolf go to frisco and he would pick me up and we'd drive the city and he would uh, yeah so like playing
0: stuff for each other in the car
2: mm, he would more or less be playing me stuff i wasn't like i would just like get in the car and he'd be like oh this is what we have coming out new on the label on stone's throne he would play like (laughs) my vinyl weighs a ton or like here's a cassette copy of my vinyl weighs a ton before you could check it out all that he, yeah i would just hang out with wolf around that time um and he would just either send me a test press of stuff or um send me the cassette like a the cassette like copy from like the studio like it would like be type master something something you know like he would He would definitely hook me up, and I was doing radio by then, so I was that kid, that Mm -hmm. guy I was listening to, so.
0: Did they want you to play their stuff on the
2: radio? He never asked, but I was already doing that anyway, so, I mean, he never, like, hey, can you play Quas Come On Feet? He wasn't, (laughs) like, we we already go to play it regardless at that point, Mm -hmm. so.
0: Would you say that their stuff is, like, historically- we i wouldn't call it like it wasn't it wasn't mainstream right i don't i I think that wouldn't be a fair characterization of the stuff they were putting out in the early 2000s it was mainstream underground mainstream underground it was definitely it
2: was um if you saw the label stone star on a record you would um you would grab it you would definitely just be like bloop I'm mm. doesn't didn't matter what it was because he knew it was good. That was Loot Pack, and it was his Peanut Butter Wolf song stuff coming out. So, um, yeah, they were definitely commercial underground. Like, they were the label you were going to grab no matter what. You mm. would just, stone's throw, boom, stone's throw, and you would grab two copies every time.
0: <laughs> they were the They were the label that people knew if they knew hip-hop. Definitely.
2: Yeah. definitely if you but then it was also stone still started like at the rise of like the independent label so by the by the 90s 96 and all that um the major labels took over hip-hop so it was like puff daddies were coming out mm. and like I mean, you we were, you were talking about the good hip-hop, Tribe Called Quest, you're like like, yeah, Tribe was coming out, yeah, but at the same time, there was also a lot of, like, crap coming out, so, like... Yeah, you understand, I'm trying to ignore... <laughs> yeah, but you have to, so, with all that, and, like, thinking of all that, like, so the good stuff coming out, and then, like, the labels got the formula down, like, Justin Bieber got the formula, and knew what the people would buy, and knew what the people wanted, and what worked what melodies work boom they just started just manufacturing hip-hop yeah the
0: the monetization yeah got it
2: boom we got it boom boom just keep putting it out boom 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 you saw that happen in real time yeah yeah and so as the tribe called quest and all them are dying off like you're not really hearing any more of them that's when all the stones throws and like all these other independent labels started coming out and that's when they really, that's, that's, they fill the void of the stuff that was come They fill the void of the real hip hop that was mm-hmm. no longer there.
0: Did it feel like they were reviving? It was a thought? whole new scene. It I was a whole, seeing.
2: it wasn't even a revival. It was just like, yeah, we're independent. All of us are doing it and we're all going to do it together. So it was, it was just a whole. It was, yeah, it was just a whole new movement at that time. It was crazy.
0: What I find astonishing is looking in context, if you listen to, like, The Unseen, Mm -hmm. when that drops, it it is, even to this day, you've seen people who kind of, like, have aped that album and and tried to do something like it, Mm -hmm. but one, you can't do anything, you can't remake that, Mm -mm. and at the time, it felt completely different and yet a continuation from the rap that we were talking about Mm -hmm. and loved in The 90s, mm-hmm. did it feel like that when it yeah,
2: when it yeah, released? it was just well at that time you were friends with, yeah.
0: With those see, people, I so can't really, I've I'd, already
2: heard, I'd already heard, of, already heard of yeah, i already heard, I already heard Quasimo, I already understood, I already knew what was going on. Were you on. helping out in the studio? There no, or? no, definitely not. I was just another dude who just so happened to get a burnt CD or a tape of whatever was new right. at that time. And like I said, Babu would have all these Mad Lib tapes from, I mean, he had probably like. 10 who knows what he had he had a whole shitload of them and all those tapes would have everybody that we know and love in Mad Libs world were on those tapes from the loot pack being on those tapes to Quasimodo everyone was on those tapes hmm. so um when it came out you were like oh shit this stuff is out whoa The public is good. Yeah, the public are good. (laughs) They get to hear this. Oh, man, come on feet. What the heck? Are you sure about this, Wolf? And that just shows you that was like the beginning of Wolf. Like, it's my label. I'm going to put out what I like. Mm -hmm. So that was the beginning of like, if it wasn't for Quasimodo, I don't think there would have been a Gary Wilson. Right. Or um, some of the more stranger avant garde. The stranger. uh, Yeah, yeah, you wouldn't hear. Even maybe like Mind Design, you know? He might have. If yeah. He might have stayed hardcore hip hop dude and just been like Loop and Rasco only and yeah. and persevere and all like the early Stones it could have just stayed like that but he started experimenting and did it seem like he was concerned with making money? No, he's never been concerned. I think he just was concerned it seemed like he was more concerned with just being able to put out records, right. staying afloat. Yeah. I yeah. don't think he was ever concerned With like, yeah, I don't think any, he was just doing it just to do it. Like he knew no one else was going to put it out, so Mm -hmm. he might as well.
0: Were the people and the artists signing on, uh, because I mean, you inevitably had your, your, you know, in 2013, Mm -hmm. but even before that, were the people signing on okay with potentially not making a lot of money?
2: No one was thinking of that. Everyone was just like, this dude put my record out. Cool. Mm -hmm.
0: You so know. did everyone have day jobs?
2: I guess I'm just like, yeah they, yeah. Everyone had a day job. Of like... Everyone, I'm sure everyone had some type of day job, or that you did music full time. Hmm. It was either or. I mean, yeah. I mean, if you're, I can only like myself. I worked like I've always worked in a record store. I worked at a comic book store, like, but I've always been a DJ. Hmm. Like that was my day job, and then. And it became, I, it became but then after a while you're like i don't want to even do anything else i just i'm gonna focus on djing or mm-hmm. my music or whatever so um i think yeah everyone had a day job if you know for sure i'm pretty sure and um they were just i think they were just more more or less excited that wolf would put them out
0: that someone could potentially put it out and and the public could listen to it
2: that yeah that's the extent of it plus a physical a physical record and a physical
0: cd of it Mm. since jay dilla has died Mm -hmm. there has been um and i saw you point this out um in an interview you did in september in australia or something with some australian reporter Mm -hmm. it's a video on youtube oh yeah me and wolf yeah and um he has become sort of memorialized and sort of, sort of like patron saint of hip hop. For sure, yeah, yeah. He was just your friend, though.
2: Just a homie, yeah, yeah. But I was a fan before he was a friend. Sure, no, so I, I, understand. I was. I'm just. I was just like everybody else. I was. He was not a god. Like he wasn't even close to like. Of course. He wasn't anything what he is nowadays, of course. So back then, you had to like to read the credits, Jay Yancey, You had to look for that type of stuff. So I was like already checking for him. I was already, I was already a big, big ass fucking groupie fan at that point when hmm. I first met him. So, but then after eventually I became his friend and the homie. Like after I. After I was like, oh my God, J Dilla, J D, after that was over. You for calmed me. down. Yeah, after I calmed down, I was good.
0: Did you see him make stuff in real time? Oh,
2: yeah, for sure. A couple of times I would like go to the crib and like he would be making stuff. Definitely. What is that process like? Uh, he was just have samples and just, just how everybody, like anybody that makes beats did it. He didn't do anything like weird or, <laughs> or anything. He just like, he had like a, a sampler with like barely any barely any sampling time in it and um he would just like he figured out how to make it work as if he had like 30 seconds in there but he really only had like 10 seconds mm-hmm. and um he would just like kill it I mean I would just sit there and with my mouth open and
0: try not to like drool or anything right but um that's exactly how i feel when i see someone making stuff in front of me like,
2: but it was dope i mean he did it just like i would do it not to say i had my shit anything close to him but like he just had a different mind and just the way he would like program stuff is just weird i mean he did it just like everybody like how Malib would do it just get a loop and he would sit there and chop it up and then mess with it for a while like it was dope just to experience just to sit there and experience and watch him like go to his record room and be like oh man what record is that snare on and like you grab a record just for a snare and like it was dope it was real dope just to watch him like work
0: did he seem happy doing it
2: oh yeah 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 for sure for sure for sure that was his shit that's all he did so yeah i guess that's the main thing i'm
0: interested in is like
2: Nah, he was. We all like try to create. Nah, he was a- happy as fuck. We all try to create, and that's what that's what we create for. You know, if you're not happy creating,
1: mm.
2: what are you creating for? You know, you shouldn't be creating. Being uh, why do I have to do this? Why am I making this beat? <laughs> why am I sampling this? Like, you not you're just in there. You're like, ooh, yeah, I'm making a beat right yeah. now. Like that's, yeah, a, that's a good feeling you know you're not gonna be why am i doing this god <laughs> has forsaken me why am i looping this loop nah you're like he was always in a good spirit whenever he um whenever he was behind uh behind the sampler or looking through records he was always definitely like a happy dude hmm. like he was always in a good mood like that was his shit like you could you he was a. Uh, he had his moods, like, like like I saw, like he would be mad sometimes. and um. But records always like, he was always like, yeah, man. He always would be down to record shop. Yo, you want to go? Yeah, man, let's go. He would always be ready to go, no matter what, for sure. Go smoke and go record shop. That's what we would do. And he would always be down. I, yeah, he was always happy with that shit. Hmm. That was his thing. That was the home away from home. It's that was the thing. Store. Yeah, that was the thing to do. Yeah. Because then he wanted to go home and make a beat. Like that was like he was quick with it like every day. He mm. was making beats. It wasn't like Thursday I make beats and Tuesday I make beats and no, I was every day, every day, every day, every day, every day, every like every day. Mm. Is donuts the best thing he he put together? Mm. One of them. I don't know. I like his um earlier work donuts i love is dope but um i like the jd era more or less like when i discovered him that's like that's like the the era that like before i even knew who he was mm-hmm. or anything like that's like slum village and his early production stuff that he was doing like the early tribe and he has like a couple keith murray songs and Mad skills, like the early, early stuff that he was doing. Hmm. I I was like, that I could still listen to. Donuts, I listen to when I DJ out. Like, I don't really, I'm not at home working on it. I'm not at home bumping. I'm, 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 that's, now I play that strictly. Like, if I'm out somewhere DJing, play some J Dilla, you hear somebody yell. Chicka chicka I'll throw you know throw yeah. it in. Um, but like if I'm at the house it's strictly like old Dilla stuff. Yeah. Like the old bat- Slum village especially. Yeah. The like the old batches and like just the old vibe that he had. That old shit. It's the yeah.
1: 788. Eight, just like Jake Snake. Actually, we don't participate. But
2: if you do, then I'ma see you at your way Don't let the drama fluctuate. I don't want to I got to We could get sex. Now what would we be at if we let you do that?
0: We probably be laying on our backs, talking this and that. You want my? You're you, It was whack. I never would clean myself out
1: like that, but um, I guess that's where you whack. That's where you at?
0: Of the groups like Slum Village, was Slum Village is the one group I always think about—a group that never never got enough people listening mm-hmm. i feel like some village is the epitome of that that's one of those groups yeah that i'm like I don't, I don't understand how this is not the thing we were listening to from that year if it's not gold then not enough people are listening to
2: it because mm. gold is even nothing you know what i mean gold is like a very low selling point i mean it's a lot of sales but next to like platinum and all that it's nothing and there's a lot of people in this world, so it's, or I should say, a lot of people in the U.S. because every place in the world has a different rating system. But if something doesn't go gold out here, then of course there's not enough enough people listening to it. So Slum Village, Donuts, all that stuff isn't gold. So it's like it's a it's a like a Frank Zappa underground community that only really know about it. Mm -hmm. like yeah the mainstream people know about it but they're not really going out purchasing it they just oh yeah oh i have a couple songs on my spotify of that guy but they don't you can't be like oh you have the donuts donuts i love donuts yum yum donuts or winchell's No, no no the album donuts you have the whole thing they wouldn't know, you know. Now they have uh, so far to go from the show. Yeah, they'll have that too. Oh, I love the I like song. Commons them, yeah, verse. And, and the singing on there, I love that stuff. Yeah, I so, like the Angela. Yeah, so <laughs> we're, that would definitely be um, a normal person's grasp of Jay Dilla. But like, so you yeah, admit we're not normal? No, because we're we're that's the underground thing. Like, you have to um, you have to search out. Um, the Jay Della stuff. It's not just something that is is, is spoon fed to you. It's like Donuts wasn't something that came out where, um, Los Angeles Times and Rolling Stone and no one was writing about it. No one wrote about it until when he passed, you know. And he, he passed, and it was like oh, Donuts now. Woo boo boo. But like. You know, like, the first, I think, it came out, like, his the week he passed, it came out, so there's really no, I can't really judge it, but, like, I'm sure the first day of sales was probably just to the core fan base, like, me buying five copies, and <laughs> Questlove buying the copies for his, you know, like, right. the, the nerd the stand, the Dilla's nerds, we probably went out and bought it all, but, I mean, after that, yeah, but, like, so, like, after the hype died down, um, it's really only people that want to keep up with it. Like, I don't know how I many people bought that his album that came out this year with him rapping on it. You know, like, he's still there's still stuff of J. Doe that comes out, but not everyone's buying it, like mm-hmm. donuts or nothing like that.
0: Especially when there's Spotify. That's yeah, the main not, thing is like, yeah, I, now I, I have stuff sta- saved on Spotify. Enough
2: said. See, you don't even need to Purchase anything anymore, you just look it up. Mm -hmm. Oh, there it is. Oh, they have all of this stuff. Uh, shuffle, (laughs) and you can just oh, what up? You shuffle between it all. No, you're absolutely. I was, I I don't use Spotify, or I'm a DJ. Like, people always ask, like, you don't have Spotify on your phone? Like, no,
0: what do I need that for? I'm a DJ, I got Spotify in the crib, yeah. Like, I don't. Well, you, you have. All stuff downloaded to whatever, what do you, on iTunes or what do you use? Mm, no, I mean, I'm, I'm strictly like, I mean,
2: everything's in my iTunes, yeah, but I'm, I'm mostly vinyl and of course MP3s and all that, but that's for like the radio shows I do or when I play out, but like at home, it's mostly like, Listening to the records I just bought from whatever trip, or hmm. so, I'm like that's it. And then in the car, it's CDs or my iPod on shuffle right. stuff that I've downloaded that i loaded up. You didn't up even on. bring
0: your phone here.
2: Yeah, I didn't even bring my phone here. So it's <laughs> like I'm, I try to stay. I'm, I remember when there was no technology. So it feels good not to have
0: technology every hmm. once in a while. Well, your album. It came out in 2013. Mm-hmm. Feels both old and new in the way that I think you are.
2: Yep, a little bit. There you go. You said it. Old and new.
0: <laughs> you don't seem enthusiastic. I can't, about it. I'm
2: trying to think. I was trying to think of a word to combine the word old and new together, but I can't really. Yeah, see,
0: that's I, why I stopped. I, I got nothing. For you.
2: I got nothing for myself either with that one. New old. I don't know.
0: Okay, but yeah. Um are you happy with it
2: yeah for sure am i wouldn't put put it out unless i was per se you know
0: mm. there's a long time coming right
2: um i have one other one um i think you're talking about what beats on
0: tape i think maybe no, and that's the, f- that's the first one no right.
2: cold rock stuff is the first one well cold rock is 2013 that's i think it might be 2011 maybe really mm-hmm. and then 2013 I might think be spotify has beats all yeah that <laughs> might be the year it was added to spotify oh see Re- really mm-hmm. is that what they do yeah they might okay because i know if i know if i look up oh, all right actually i don't know why i'm debating the
0: year of discography for, it's your music no I, no, mm-hmm. no no
2: no I, hey i could get it wrong too though i try to i forget that stuff so i could totally be here no j-rock you're wrong too buddy um <laughs> uh yeah i'm i'm happy with what i put out um and it it's just fun to be able to put music out you know i think it's just a a fun experience to be able to um especially with stone's throw like to have this place as um a home away from home i guess like to know these people here and like um to be as close with Wolf as I am and to know, like, you know, like I just walk, I know everybody here. So it's just like, we're like a, it's like not family, but it's like a crew. Like it's definitely a family, but it's like, just like your one big, like hip hop crew, just like a crew of homies, like, yo man, Stone Throw, yeah. Like, I mean, from Dame Funk, Mayor Hawthorne, mind design like these are all people that um you hang out with like when we go on tour like it's it's like i knew these i've known these dudes for years even mm. though i'm just getting to know them right at the same time so it's always and I, I think as soon as you come into the family or it's come into as a stone's throw label whatever signy, or you're putting product out i think you 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 become like come like a homie you're
0: a member yeah member of something larger than
2: yeah because i even talked to like a dude this dude named koshik that put shit out like a long ass time ago who's nowhere to be seen yeah nowhere to be seen and i still like hey what's up koshik like what's up j-rock like damn dude what the hell (laughs) you got some new music for me or something man like but like, if I didn't know Stone's Throw, I would not even know who this dude Kosick was. I would not know. I wouldn't know who Mind Design was. You know what I mean? Or knowledge? Or hmm. like couple couple cat cats? Or even Dame Funk, Mare Hawthorne? Like I would probably have met, met them through the scene in L.A. But to know to know to know them, have their number or whatever. I, that's all Stone's Throw
0: for sure. It seems like. Um, tell me if I'm wrong, but it seems like it's a group of wonderfully strange, like oddball, mm-hmm. misfit artists for sure. But I think
2: well, I think all artists are just misfit, and I think we just you guys embraced it. Yeah, I think we just embraced it, and like the lead dude is like a uh, wolf is like super misfit guy, so it he's perfect. He He's, set the tone. Yeah, he sets the tone perfect. He's like super, yeah. You want misfit, that's Wolf, you mm. know? So, yeah, he sets the tone for the quirkiness and for the for for all the experimental stuff, the Gary Wilsons to everything. Like, he sets the tone, you
0: know? When you wake up in the morning, do you um, feel like this is going to sound maybe... Overly sentimental. Oh, that way, ah, oh, stretch and what. This is great. Do you do yoga in the morning? No. no. <laughs> this is a no, great No, no, no. Given, again, let me phrase it this way. Given the amount of time you've been in love with music mm-hmm. and part of it mm-hmm. on, on sort of every level of it. All four levels, yeah. All four levels. Um so, do you feel like it's given your life meaning? Yeah, I guess. You seem
2: if, skeptical. I, I don't question. know, like I can't really say what <laughs> like it's just what I know. So maybe it's it's given me happiness and joy and like it's given me um a way to do something that i love to do and that i've always wanted like as a little kid i just listen hey i've always wanted to be a dj right. on the radio i've always wanted to do all of that so it keeps your days busy <clears throat> it definitely keeps my days and nights busy um but yeah it brings meaning to my life i guess i mean i've never really broke it down like that but yeah <laughs> It you're making me
0: sound like a crazy person no not at about. all
2: not at all it's just it's um <laughs> i've never thought of it that way like as a meaning as it, it i would think it would give here we go i would just hope what i do did what someone did for me as i listened to the radio or if i listened to Something I would just hope somebody heard. Oh, J Rock, man, I want to try that one day, or like that would be dope. That's what it. That's what it would be dope if it recite. If it, uh, if it just it, it's, the cycle went on and, on and on and on and on and on and like. So I mean, someone influenced me, and so if I could give back, and have someone else influence off of me, that would be. That's the meaning of yeah. everything, right there.
0: That's music. That's like yeah, for sure. Nas heard Ahmad Jamal and was like, okay, for I, sure, I'm gonna start. And people heard Nas and yeah,
2: you're right. Nas was uh, yeah, I was around when that came out and that was a, a groundbreaking. Uh, that was another one like, shit. Illmatic was like the album. I had that on cassette and that was like insane, man. There was a guy this is real quick, this is a guy that wrote for Grand Royal Magazine. Okay. BC Boys Mag. His name was Shay Johnson and he was another like, he was like a quirky dude and uh, he actually gave me the Nas demo, not the demo, but like the promo cassette of Illmatic. He just reviewed it for the mag and was mm-hmm. like, are you really gonna dig this tape, man? And it was like, at least three to four months before it came out it was so <laughs> it was insane yeah so Illmatic always holds a special place for me because I remember having that album like three to four months and just having the tape and like how you were playing your uh your don't cry over and over again I was playing one love over and over that's all we would play over <laughs> the
0: tape rewind and, been, and play one love eight, over eight, and eight, over, eight, over over and over this Conversation has been a series of like cy- cyclical strange <laughs> moments, <laughs> but One Love was like the first rap song. I, I that's the song that like got me in there. You
2: go, man, connecting. We're here over here, connecting, man. <laughs>
0: There's the meaning right there, man. Uh, you know what? Thank you so much for doing this. No, nah, it's all good. I'll say crew. this as an outsider. I think your hope. <laughs> is, uh, I think, I think that's gonna happen. I think it already has.
2: That's good to hear, man. I keep, I gotta keep going. I can't stop though. No. So yeah, um, yeah. Thank you, man. I appreciate that. Of course. Thanks for doing this. Thank you, Sam. Thank you. Selling drugs on a dime Hanging out with young thugs that all carry nines And nighttime is more tripe than ever with up a poor mega? did you see him? Are y'all together? If sold then hold a fort down. represent to the fullest Say what's up to Herb, Ice, and Bullet I left for half a hundred in your commissary. You was my nigga when push came to shove One what? One love One love One love One love, One love.
0: Special thanks this week to Angela, Jake, and the rest of the good people at Stone's Throw. We couldn't have possibly done this episode without them. If you'd like to learn more about J-Rock and the Beat Junkies, be sure to visit their site at www.beatjunkies.com. We'll include that link in the show notes. You can stream both of J-Rock's records on Spotify, Amazon, or wherever else you listen to music. Also, if you're in New York next week, J-Rock will be performing at the Brooklyn Bowl. Tickets are $10. I promise you that will be the best ten dollars you ever spend. Okay, best is maybe an exaggeration, but but it's a good it's it's, it's worth ten dollars. And finally, a big thanks to J. Rock for taking the time to talk. People,
1: people who need people.
0: As I mentioned at the top, if you have not listened to our P.B. Wolf episode already, you should definitely give that a go this week. Also, if you're new to Talk Easy, we've done episodes with other musicians non-Stones that are related, like Esperanza Spaulding, Mac DeMarco, Reggie Watts, and many more. You can find all those on our website at www.talkeasypod.com. As always, you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, SoundCloud, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Our music this week is by Jin Sang and Vanilla. Our executive producer is David Chen. Graphics by Ian Jones. Illustrations by Krishna Shenoy. Our associate producer is Valerie Ettenhofer. And the show is produced by Nora Knight. I'm Sam Fergoso, Thank you for listening to Talk Easy. Next week on the show is Alex from Mild High Club. I'll see you then.